Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. I'd like to welcome Tara Janet to the studio. Tara is just an absolutely beautiful being, and she's doing some cool stuff in her office. She is a non-dual therapist who understands what it takes to dive deep and go that extra mile to kind of reclaim our, our beingness. Welcome to the studio, Tara. Hey, nice to be here. This conversation seemed to have developed out of just us reconnecting yesterday. So I'm I'm absolutely delighted to be here today. I wanted to talk, I wanted to weave in this piece around love, especially because um yeah, because of the the stuff around sexual love. And I think this is really good for especially for women. Um just as I talk about my own process, that's kind of why I wanted to put this piece out there. Um, Cause I recognized a big piece that had been shut down. I think a big piece of this is my, um, is my own process that I've been through. So in part of our conversation yesterday, we talked about cosmic love and uh, I, I don't even really know what that is. Yeah. You know, and this is a puzzle for me as well. Really, I mean, this is me getting to know um, this absolute wild side of me that I had no idea was there before. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know if this journey is ever going to really end uh, to a point where it's like, ah, I can really put my finger on it. But it's kind of like this relationship I'm developing with this aspect of myself and um it's been pretty wild so far um you know and as we go into this a little bit i think this piece has always been there for me this wild cosmic love has always been there but when i was a little person when i was a little kid i learned how to shut that down and throughout my life, like throughout my teen years, young adulthood, um, that came out in really twisted ways that I thought were expressions of that cosmic wildness, but were actually fused with my relationships with others. So um, untangling that web has been um, an amazing journey. Um, It's also been a really confusing journey. but it's, it's a relationship with that wildness that I think is um, a beautiful opportunity for each person on this, on this path. So what is this wildness? What is this cosmic wildness that we all might have and just kind of push to the side? Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think it's, um, I describe it as love because I, I think that's, the closest that I, the the best word that I can use to describe it, 
but really it's a really profound openness. And um, one of the expressions that can come out of that openness is then like a love. Now, ordinarily in relationships, we seek out little glimpses of this love through like sexual experiences. And it's almost like through you know, through orgasm, we can, orgasm can be this little window where we have just this brief glimpse of just this cosmic, that's the cosmic wildness, this immense, immense love that can be there. Um, But really, I mean, that only happens to a few people, a lot of people during sex, just ordinary sex with a partner, or even just through masturbation, it's just about the release. It's not even, they don't even get that glimpse of this cosmic love, it just might be about the release. Um, but deeper than that, really, that's what we're seeking for in those sexual experiences is just this this piece of this wild kind of openness where boundaries kind of they collapse and um, partners really merge into each other. And there can be kind of this explosion out of that. Um, but this cosmic wildness, I don't see as something that necessarily has to be contained just to the bedroom. Um, but I'm recognizing this openness is available in, in actually in every moment that I'm in. Um, I can feel it more intensely when I'm with others, especially if another person's open to it as well. And it doesn't necessarily mean there's, um, doesn't necessarily mean that two people need to necessarily have sex to experience that, but it's really, it's about the openness And it's that openness that seems to echo and vibrate. And there's like a transmission between individuals that's very, very intense when we allow that to expand. But I think for the most part, a lot of people are really scared of that. That experience is a very vulnerable experience in that openness. It's very vulnerable. We're seen in our entirety. There's there's nothing, there's no barrier there to, to kind of protect ourselves and block. So it's incredibly vulnerable and and the sense of exposure is incredibly high. But as we drop into that, that's when that um, it's almost like an electrical transmission can transfer between individuals. Now, that's just kind of the tip that I see is what cosmic love is. This is, let's say, between two individuals. But take that same experience into your own meditative um, into your own meditative experience where you gaze into that same stillness you might see in your partner through your partner's eyes, but you stare into that same stillness as you peer into your soul. And, and in that, we create enough space to allow, allow this different quality of our being to emerge now that can be very, very deep and profound at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. I think I got it. Hopefully the people listening will get it too. It's interesting how so many people have so many different words to describe this space of being because it's so hard to, it's so hard to identify with a word. I know sometimes I'll, I'll you know, I met somebody a while ago and we, we just stood in front of each other and that cosmic love was like just flowing like like mad and it was amazing and you know we we left it at that because what else do you do with it do you go down a path where where you want to have sex but that's i don't think that's what it's about 
-hmm. I, I think I think we can live a life where we can have those occurrences on a daily basis or even more. I, 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 I can't even fathom what a life would be like to live in that space of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is how powerful that experience is, is it's almost like our small self doesn't really know what to do with that. So it, it does what it does best. And that's to try to contain it or control it. And I think that's why a lot of compulsions come up around sex, because it is our way that we can control and move that wildness, because it really is. It's wild and unpredictable. And a lot of times our social conditioning tells us to shut that down because it's going to mean something horrid. Like, for instance, if I really allow myself to experience that kind of that sensual, and we can call it sexual, but it's just that wild love that that might mean now I go around screwing everybody or I'm going to go around and and have all these affairs. Um, it, It doesn't necessarily mean that. That's where we tend to go when we try to trap it, to try to shut it down or to try to, you know, stuff that back down. It, that's when that energy acts out in really unpredictable ways, when we're unconscious to it. But I found the more that we allow it, not to indulge in it, but really to just be with that movement. And it, can, it might start off as kind of a sexualness, you know, where there might just be a burning feeling that's happening around that first chakra, that base chakra. But just to be able to allow that feeling without having to control it or do anything about it, just witnessing it allows it automatically automatically just to expand. So not trying to direct that, not trying to achieve anything, it itself has an opportunity to expand. And a really interesting thing happens is what I've noticed is that we move into a different dimension of ourselves. Um, And I'm almost cautious to say this, but we have an opportunity to step into what Gary Zhu might call um, our divine goddess selves, gods and goddesses. As kings and queens, we're like royalty. And as we allow that energy to expand, it's almost like there can be kind of like a regalness with it. Um, We're no longer servants to it. We're no longer beggars to that energy, but we end up in some ways, we, we become the embodiment of that energy. And in that goddess space, when I can, when I'm allowing that, that energy to really fill me from within, there's immense power in that, but not in the way where it's not in a, in a, in a type of power where I'm power, it's power over, um, but it's an attuned t- power that's it's a transmission of all on its own and there's a real attractiveness in that instead of um externally going out and seeking those love relationships around me it's almost like that current of attractiveness it reverses and for the first time there's a quality of myself that's attractive to others but not just on a superficial level. It happens on an energetic level. We become attracted to each other in that space. That space is is very attractive. I had this experience the other day, um, just going out to the grocery store. And that's just a really common occurrence for me, running up to the grocery store to pick up a few things. And 
I, I recognized how how many times it's just this is ordinary chore. I would go out and I would be so shut down to the people in the environment around me, almost like since I've been married, I had just like this closed sign, you know, stamped on my face, kind of like, nope, closed for business, not open here, stay the fuck away, I'm not available. And what I didn't realize I was doing was, you know, I, I wasn't interested in, in having um, extra relationships outside of my marriage. But what I didn't realize I was doing was I was actually shutting down all contact. And I would go into the store and head down. You could just get your things. You don't even look at the people around. And I recognize how how sad of an existence that is, that I'm so afraid of my availability. I'm so afraid of my openness that that I actually shut down contact in every single moment with other human beings. Um, so I've been practicing I've been practicing this, going out to the store. Um, instead of having that clothes sign stamped on my head, I have this this air of availability. And now not, and again, not like, hey, I, you know, I'm looking for somebody to to kind of um to be with or to like uh you, you know take home and have sex with. This is an availability of being. And there's such a profound thing that happens in that shift is we start to recognize other people. Uh, and but deeper than that, we recognize ourselves. We, we we allow ourselves just to be ourselves. And whether or not people are there, I mean, uh, most of the time, most of us people are, are so shut down, we might not even respond or notice. But um, that's not the point. You know, the point is being available, just just allowing ourselves to be available and taking that risk. Without the fear that it's going to mean something demonic or that it's going to to mean that I'm bad, that I'm allowing myself to to exude, you know, this this type of love, this type of this type of energy. I think part of the the thing, uh, the difficult part of that journey is that we we do have stories in our mind that, that logically say if we're open, it leads down this path. It mm-hmm. leads down fulfilling a need, a sexual desire or something, right? Yeah. Or a companionship or something. And when we go to the grocery store, or when I go to the grocery store, I now am open to the entire possibility of the universe bringing me anything or myself being uh, a magnet to anything that could help me expand. And move into those moments of blissful encountering with others. Mm-hmm. I don't have a need to be, to fulfill, you know, I'm just there in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's about is trying to recognize if we're trying to fulfill a need, because as soon as we're doing that, then we're requesting something of someone else. Yeah. But if we can entirely be entirely be in the moment and just breathe in the moment with nothing happening, that's when those um, cosmic moments of love are invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, and I think the journey to get to that place, um, there's a lot of seeds that tend to get stirred up in that openness. And, and the, the seeds of grabbing 
of clinging onto, onto the love, to trying to control the love. Those are the seeds that tend to come up when we allow the openness. Um, and, that, and this is the kicker is that you can't get to that place where um, there's, there's total freedom in love without embracing those seeds as they arise. Um, and I think that's the scary thing. You know, especially for me, just in in my case, that that is is the fear that can often keep us from taking the journey in the first place. Is is all the what ifs, um, having to embrace some of the our shadows, our, and even in to embrace um, our dysfunctional attachments to others that tend to. Um, keep us in a position of power and control. Those are the things that, that, that tend to percolate when we start to allow this, this place of openness within us. There's a lot of um, confusion around what love is. And often for a lot of people, they believe that love is the closeness with their partner. And I mean, that, that might be an aspect of it. We feel the sense of love when we are together with another person, but that's only a reflection. It's only, it's only a mirror of that experience. That's actually that, that level of love and openness that's happening here within ourselves. So we can confuse our partner for that, that love that's, that's actually here within. Mm -hmm. So then we now, now we can get really busy trying to control, manipulate, cling onto a partner so that we can manage that, experience more and more yeah believing it's outside of ourselves yeah uh -huh. um mm -hmm. yeah and that brings up possession like trying to possess something outside of ourselves to fulfill something that's already within us it's uh -huh. such a strange place to be i mean yeah and, yeah and i do it too i mean the moment like the last person i had that in encounter with you know four or five days later i'm feeling lonely and you know who i'm thinking about it's, it, you know, I'm thinking about that moment that I had that, that experience and I want it again. Um, and it feels very addictive. Yeah. But, you know, I'm aware enough that I'm like, I don't answer that call. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah. And I think part of the call is that it's urging us to look deeper. Um, and so it's not about just shutting that aspect of us down. It's not just saying, okay, I, I can't be sexual anymore. I can't enjoy myself anymore. And I don't think that that's what's being asked of us. But, you know, I think part of my own journey has been allowing myself to be present enough to, to be present and with that stillness within in, in order for that experience of love even to arise. You know, th th this can be the issue is that we are so busy trying to chase after an object external to us, whether it's a person or a thing, um, we're so busy trying to chase after that, that we don't often notice what's here, just, just here within ourselves. And as you go into that experience of stillness, and, this, that, and that is key, that that stillness needs to be present there long enough. Um, but as you go into the, that sense of stillness, um, with, you know, with, that, with that curiosity to know yourself, um, there's a real amazing experience that can often arise uh, when we allow that. Um, in our hearts, there is just this immense wellspring of love, and it's 
it can be an incredible experience. And again, it is just an experience. It, for me, it's, it just, it comes and it goes, but it's a reminder to me that there's a source within ourselves, right at the heart, right in the center of our chest, just this overflowing well fountain spring of love. And it gushes with such force. No wonder we are creatures of love. We have so much love there to give. Um, but without knowing that that each one of us is a source of that love, then we become like beggars and we we have to search for it and 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 beg for it from other people. Yeah, and that and that meeting, that meeting point with ourselves, that's a very sacred experience. And in, in that, when we can allow that in an instant, we become filled, almost like we become open and available. And we in existence has an opportunity to fill us from within. Mm-hmm. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. You, know? <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, you sound like an Osho book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Osho has been um, an incredible teacher and, and guide for me mm-hmm. yeah, in this life. So in, yeah, and, in your therapy mm-hmm. practice, um, you use a lot of non-dual um, approaches. What kind of what kind of stuff do you do? How do you how do you apply a non-dual uh, mindset to somebody who is walking in your door who wants to commit suicide? Um, well, you know, I think I think my primary practice with people coming in um, who may not have a lot of experience with meditation or um, they may not have a lot of experience with 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 their feelings, with, with knowing about their emotional body. Uh, that's usually where I begin is really pointing back to an individual's emotional body, to sensing and feeling their somatic body, just to get to know themselves. At, it, it really just it gross levels of experience. And that's an entry point, you know, feeling our bodies, being able to experience ourselves as a body without just trying to dissociate, that's that's an, an, an important milestone to reach. And then deeper than that, recognizing our felt senses, our emotions, and often all those emotions are tied into our unhealthy detachments with others. So as you tease that all apart, you get, you know, an individual has an opportunity to learn about their emotional body and also recognize some of the unhealthy relationship patterns and beliefs that tend to keep those negative emotions intact. Um, so, you know, I see the whole process as just like a teasing away and, and, you know, as if you have kind of like this clump of hair and you're trying to tease it apart, um, it can feel really messy like that. And, you know, I, I like to provide people with a lot of encouragement and and mirroring that this is part of the process is to is to really grind this out to stay with it because I think for a lot of people this has happened in my practice they kind of they look a little bit behind the veil and they run away because it can be really really scary to see what's behind there Mm -hmm. yeah it can be it can really create a a shake-up yeah 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 um, and, but, you know, in, in part of the belief patterns that we've developed, you know, specifically around sexuality, around sex, around what it is to be, um, 
what it is to be female or male. I mean, all of these social conditioning and beliefs, these are the things that tend to get in the way of us being able to, first of all, be able to settle into our being enough to be, to be able to tolerate our own silence and space, but deeper than that, to be able to allow ourselves to be open, to lean into relationship, to lean into ourselves. Um, all those beliefs and social pat or social conditioning, well, as you know, you know, those are the barriers that tend to shut that down. Mm -hmm. It's all based on fear. I'm I'm afraid that that if I really allow myself to be open, what might happen? I might be rejected. They might not like me. You know, they might tell me I'm stupid or they might they're gonna leave me. You know, that really at the base of that, that's what in my case was so frightening is that if I allow myself to be open and loving with people, they're going to say I'm too much, that this, that this is too much. Mm -hmm. That was a message that I heard a lot growing up that it's too much. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, um, my loved ones around me, they didn't, they didn't know how to support me in that. So I thought I was bad or something, you know, something was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. it, every time we choose a different path, what I find, it's like somebody who quits drinking alcohol. All of a sudden he has no friends or she has no friends. Or has a very few amount, you know, just a, you know, one or two friends or something left over after, after that huge life change. Because the relationship was re related around a very specific frequency of living. That all of a sudden when a person makes that huge shift everything gets shook up and mm -hmm. what's left are, are authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with, I think, when we make any change in our life that is very strong or, or um, takes a lot of courage. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a huge shake. I think what it demands, like what we, what we, de what we demand from each other is to deepen in relationship not not only with each other but with ourselves and that's why a lot of relationships they do really really well like in that initial romantic phase where where that meeting together in in the initial just few months can be just kind of like lightning you know it's just it's just they're on fire and it can be really really passionate um but what tends to happen is as people are with each other longer and longer um that initial passion tends to fizzle out and what's required is is not just to continue on in in a in a horizontal kind of fashion but to to drop in vertically into the relationship to go deeper and that's what i think we are compelled to do as individuals and we're constantly reminding each other of that um, that we need depth, we need substance to our relationship. Otherwise, there's nothing there, and then we get bored with it. Mm -hmm. um, but instead of just seeking another relationship for that high again, um, what we're called for is, or invited into, is to, um, you know, to, to dive into, to dive deeper into relationship, and to learn about ourselves, to learn about our resistances. To, to allowing ourselves to experience each other in a deeper way. Right. You brought up a good point that we're invited. 
And can you speak to that? Because I think that's something that people miss sometimes is how the invitation comes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, invitation is, is absolutely crucial. It's absolutely necessary Um, because without recognizing that really what this life is, is about, it's about invitation. If we don't recognize that we're left to cling and there's no love in clinging. There's no love in possessiveness. Um, I can't say there's absolutely no love. I mean, there can be a, a sliver of it, but love in possessiveness just becomes suffocated. So in inviting relationship, we allow ourselves just to stay loose with it. Um, we, we allow ourselves to yeah, just, just, just be loose with it without having to control um, and to ensure the connection. Because um, there's no guarantees in this. Love is an incredible risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Um, I believe that the universe is sending us invitations and to help us expand. Yeah. You know, um, one of the the teachers that I, I had followed for quite a few years was, was Muji. And I remember one of the talks Muji said was, you can be alone on a desert island and a mosquito would become your teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and so it, it's true. It's, it's in every single moment. Life is urging us to respond. And as Osho says, not to just react, but to respond and to respond full heartedly, to lean in. Um, and I think that when we allow ourselves to lean into the process, that we learn incredible things about ourselves. Yeah. Now that sounds a bit cliche. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's, but it's true. Um... Yeah. So how, if we're not a, in awareness and we haven't been doing meditations and our mind is just busy and we're in the, the loop, you know, the matrix, what is the invitation at that point? Do, do you think sometimes it's um, heavy accidents, car accidents, or, you know, things that just yeah. seem not to have any explanation behind them? Yeah, well, I mean, that could be part of it. I mean, that could be the catalyst for change. But I think the symptoms are there um, in every moment and knocking on our doors. And that can be anything from, you know, ongoing health health issues to mounting stress and tension, um, violence and anger. And and this goes into kind of like all the, the shadow side, the, the shadow aspects of our society um, profound violence against each other. I mean, these are all expressions of energy not moving in alignment to our higher, you know, to our to our higher self. I, I guess we could say. Um, and and the basis of that is is control. So the symptoms are there, and and I think you know, in my own practice, this is really what it's about is to wake up to how uncomfortable I actually am or how out of control I actually am or how chaotic I actually feel, how bad things have actually gotten. 
Um, that takes a lot of courage to look at, to recognize how, how unhappy I really am is a really courageous thing to be able to face and to, to, to really recognize and to actually even voice out loud with another human being. That in itself can be very, very therapeutic, but it's a doorway. It's an opening for us to get with what's actually there. You know, and in the case that we've been talking today about um, connecting to higher forms of love, um, you know, the doorway into this is, is looking at all the dysfunctional patterns we might have around sex. And that includes whether we are trying to dissociate away from those urges or we're trying to cling on to those urges. Uh, it can happen either, either way. But, but both are about control. Either I want to numb myself out to that, to that energy that moves through me, or I, I want to just, I want to control and get more of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's, that's the starting point is to wake up to how uncomfortable and unhappy I've been and, and what isn't working anymore. And not to just jump to another solution, but to really sit with that and to drop into that experience of, of unhappiness, whatever it looks like. And I think that could be a profound invitation from existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so we go from the, the open door at the beginning, the invitation, and then it's, it's kind of interesting how we're moving backwards through the podcast. And but now, <laughs> now I feel like we're at the beginning and I want to, you know, go back to cosmic love. Yeah. Because I feel the energy, even talking about it, is different. Uh -huh. I, yeah. I feel the energy of about talking about the initial invitations and the struggle. It, it does feel heavy and, and thick. And when we talk about on the other end of cosmic love and higher consciousness, actually, as, as I'm saying it, I, I'm actually starting to feel different. Yes. Yeah. But here, here we have to slow this piece down because we can sometimes when we have little glimpses of cosmic love, we can be so excited to get back to that, that we can almost like abort the process, abort the invitation in the moment to try to get away from something that seems um, bad or no good. But, but, but notice how if we really drop into it, even in a so-called bad experience, um, our attitude around that is what is crucial. It's our attitude that determines whether that experience is, is good or bad. There's no good or bad or negative or positive emotions in and of themselves. Those are the labels and judgments that we put on it. So this is the key thing that I, I want to highlight here is that cosmic love isn't something that's a way and, and dramatically different from just these ordinary experiences that we're having. But it is the condition that tends to, that arises through the quality of our own consciousness, our own spirit, the allowance of our experience is what brings about cosmic love. So it's like, it's the willingness to fully go in and through our experience as a witness without clinging as an identified creature, without clinging onto that, but to really be able to sit with our experience that opens up to these deeper levels of love. So let me try and put that in 
perspective. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yesterday I went to an event, a seminar on making money through selling real estate. Um, Anyhow, it was very interesting because I went by myself, so they put me in the singles seating. And they put me (laughs) right beside a fellow who, um, oddly enough, reminded me of the Joker. (laughs) from the movie the recent one uh, which was quite an experience because he's sitting beside me and laughing like the most bizarre laugh ever like you know I mean if I had to put a story on it's like this crazy maniac weird person (laughs) beside me laughing really you're next to a lunatic eh? yeah that's what it was like and I was like it was so interesting for me uh and I was like so curious about this fellow and I look at how he's writing and stuff and even his writing on his paper was just wild and and bizarre. And in those moments, I was like wondering, I was feeling, I was totally feeling judgment and I was feeling my, you know, my stories, the, the stories from society telling me that, you know, this person is a lunatic, right? That all those things, it has to be true. But I'm like, no, this isn't true. This is is this a doorway? Is this fellow actually on the other side of the matrix? Is he outside of the matrix? And is he experiencing his existence in his truest form without caring at all what other people think of him? He's got no, he has no struggle. Mm -hmm. Is that what's happening? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. there's no really knowing for sure, but what what I hear you did know for sure is just your is is recognizing your own beliefs and judgments that were passing through, and you know that's that's what's pretty profound is for you to recognize your own responses and reactions, and you know to these to these you know seemingly you know irregular kind of events like this, you know. So like I like what you said, you know, is this is this man a doorway? And this kind of reminds me of what you're saying before about the invitations, how life seems to give us the exact invitations that we need in order to just drop in. Mm -hmm. It would have been an interesting moment to actually just talk to the fellow and and see who he was. Yeah, neat. And see his story. And, you know, next time I will. um, Or maybe I won't. I don't know. Maybe that's all there is. That's all that was needed in that moment was for me to become aware of something. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and I think that's the, the learning from that is to, to stay with one's experience, um, to stay with that without putting, without just indulging in the judgments on either side, without just indulging in the judgments about him and, and, you know, um, taking down his character and also not judging ourselves for even having that judgment, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's the crucial thing because we can block the whole process by all of these expectations we have about self and others. Um, but just to just, yeah, sit with, with that experience in ourselves, how we tend to recoil, that gives us a lot of information about, yeah, around the way we are, around how we tend to close ourselves down. Mm-hmm. I guess the one thing that's really been coming up for me lately is noticing conditioning. 
so noticing how how the rest of the room was conditioned they really were and yeah. even a lot of my friends or people that i knew in that room um may appear to be on a little bit on the outside of, of this conditioning um space but they're still living a safe life they're still living in that safety even though they think they might have freedom Mm-hmm. their freedom is still limited by their own belief systems and their own fear of moving outside mm-hmm. that conditioning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And, and yeah, so I, I think, you know, for me, seeing this fellow, you know, he was the, you know, he was the black duck in the room or the black yeah. swan or whatever it was. Yeah, well, he can become kind of the focal point for everybody's attention. Yeah. Um. And we can create kind of scapegoats like that in our lives. But what it really does is it keeps us from from knowing ourselves. Um, it can be kind of like this a pattern of avoidance where we we put the attention on somebody else. Um, we do the same thing in intense love relationships too, where we have the focal point on that person as the answer. So you know, we it, it goes either way. You know, either you're the source of my issues or you're the source of my love. Um, one appears good, one appears, you know, appears bad. Um, but the biggest thing here is, is, is the attention. It's constantly trying to go outward and fixate on something other than itself, you know, other than just this internal space. Um, and, and Osho talks about this, he talks about this quite extensively, especially in his book, uh, Tantra. He talks about this being the everyday experience of, of ordinary individuals is, is we have this kind of external mode of operating. And as we get onto the spiritual journey, we learn about this thing called no mind. And so, you know, and part of that is practicing to kind of disidentify, or, you know, to disidentify, to disconnect from all of these different judgments, all of these different individuals in our lives to try to kind of sever all of those attachments that can keep us kind of locked into the self-other relationship. But I really like what he talks about around coming to this place of no mind, you know, as Buddhists call no mind, isn't the answer in and of itself. It's not the end state. It's the state where we've reached this place of stillness to be able to disconnect from the, you know, the good, the bad, you know, all the moral judgments and beliefs in our, in our society. But he talks about it being kind of like a lifeless state in and of itself. And what's needed from the reading, what would I gather? And this is the piece for me that was the missing piece that was very, very crucial for me is that the stillness itself can't support life. It's love that supports life. It's love that flows within that space that's needed but we have to be daring enough to allow ourselves to to open to that, to allow ourselves to take a risk, because that's that's what it's about. Is it's a risk. I may show up ugly. I may show up mean. I may show up in all of these different ways that my mind doesn't want me to show up as. Um, but can I can I put those beliefs aside and just really allow myself to be with that energy that moves in that space. So both I think are crucial. It's allowing ourselves to cultivate this spacious, no mind, 
but what do we fill that with? What, what's there in the end? Well, the answer to that is, it's yourself. It's you who fills that space. And one of your aspects that has immense beauty to it is this profound love that, that can come uh, when we allow it. And, and that's the piece is to recognize our responsibility around showing up. Um, because it's not something that's just given to you. It's not something that that you can just expect from existence. This is about a quality of showing up to existence. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So would you be speaking towards the mental chatter versus the divine path? Um, the mental chatter versus the divine path can you share more? Yeah, share more about that. So, uh, I don't know. Let's make something simple. In the morning, I get dressed. I'm going to an event. And A, I dress appropriately for the event. Or mm-hmm. B, I tune in to my divine self. So, so the appropriate dress is my mental chatter. And I tune into my divine self and it says, Oh, where's something? Where's some... Um, tie-dye or whatever right and so I go to a suit and tie event wearing tie-dye with punk rock hair which matches my divine truth or I drop into the safe space of my mind and the stories yeah you know it's in some ways there's no rules about this at all um I would say both of those versions are an aspect of mind. Um, One is I want to be in control of what I wear and I want to play it safe. But in a way, the other one could, we could say could equally be so it's that one that says, well, I'm going to be as wild as I want and I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be as wild. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So I think we can get caught into this kind of like dualistic kind of mind, whether, you know, do I, do I follow the status quo or do do I just, you know, um, stick it to the man and just do what I want. Um, (laughs) Now, deeper than that, there's a movement that happens much more spontaneous than that, that may not take a lot, that, that doesn't take a lot of thought to really get into. It's, you know, I think the thing that can happen is the importance that we put on whether I wear a tie-dyed suit or whether I wear a suit, like the meaning behind that. And that's where I think we get trapped. Mm-hmm. However, you know, almost, mm-hmm, however, ahead. I think that, well, my tie-dye might seem out there because that could be a story. But uh, I, in the tie-dye suit, perhaps I go to the meeting and because I'm wearing that suit, I meet the exact person I need for my next podcast episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are the, these are the mysteries that we can't really account for. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's less to do with having to manage the expression of it and just enjoying, just allowing yourself to dance in that divine energy itself without managing the expression and that means if it's if it happens to be tie-dye whatever there's not this big long story wrapped around it Mm -hmm. it's the story we tend to get caught in Mm -hmm. you know well i fucking want to wear this tie-dye suit because this means that and that's my identity and you can't tell me what to do that's the story we get we get fused with and 
and it becomes our trap. We, we, we actually set the trap for ourselves. But really what this is called for is, is allowing ourselves to dance without any excuse, you know, without, without, without there having to be a story about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's often we create the story because deep, somewhere deep inside, we're actually uncomfortable with how we appear. So we create a story to make it okay. Totally makes sense to me because I wore, I went to a, a festival this spring and I wore fingernail polish yeah. and people yeah. started asking, you know, people started asking me why you're wearing fingernail polish and I, honestly, I just put it on because I liked it. Yeah, and, yeah, I like it. You know, yeah. for me, it was a safe place to wear fingernail polish, blah, 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 but uh, I just liked it. But it was interesting how during the festival, I started digging deeper and seeing if I could actually find a story to tell people why am I doing this well is there some other story behind it and you know sadly I did find some stories to tell sure I mean but those that's the surface play you know I mean we there might be something you know you can give somebody just to keep kind of you know here you go here's a here's a story about why I'm like the way I am but at a deeper level there's you know it's 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 a, a truth that you're able to to connect with as that, you know, as that expression. And I think this is what, you know, we've been talking about getting into feeling that flow of wildness within us. And um, that wildness has an immense power and there's, a, there's an immense attractiveness in it. But the, for people who um, are fearful of it, it triggers them in very, very profound ways. And, and I think this is, this speaks a little bit to the mysteriousness of existence, because when people are willing to show up in that wildness, um, it has a transmission to it, it reverberates. And if you're, if you're within earshot of that, or line sight, I mean, you cannot not be affected by that. Something rattles in us. Um, and that's all of the shit that gets broken free. Um, all the, all the what it does is that transmission, it, um, it, it, it burns that, those con- that conditioning, those beliefs, it burns it up. But if you're really identified as an ego, if you're really identified with all your external expressions, you're going to do whatever you can to lock that down, to hold that together. Because that's really threatening. Wildness is threatening to the ego. Because to the ego, it it means annihilation. It's, it's becomes it's becomes so unpredictable. The ego can't contain it, and it knows that. Mm-hmm. If you had to say something, if you had to introduce a thought to this program, that was outside, you know, a safe zone. Was tied to your divine truth. What would it be? There are no such things as mistakes. And you are not a mistake. Mm -hmm. All the mistakes that you think you've ever made are opportunities for you to understand yourself just that much more. I think for me in my life, in, in, in just on this journey that I've been on, I saw myself as one huge mistake. Being born to a young mom, never saying quite the right things, 
never really able to be held in the way I wanted to be, never really fitting in with people at school. I always felt different. I felt like one huge, long mistake. And what I've been coming to understand about myself is that energy that comes with with who I am, I, I've tended to shut down because I thought it was a mistake. But as I've been practicing to really, truly embrace it, to, to allow the wildness, to allow all my little quirks, to allow all my little, you know, even so-called failures, to allow them all to come to the surface and to, to really embrace them all, um, something really miraculous has happened. And that's that I've no longer seen myself as a mistake. Um, but instead, just this wild goddess that can't be tamed. And there's such a fullness in that. There's such a fullness when I just allow permission for myself to just be who I've always been, just this wild creature, um, without judgment. And there's such a fullness that can come from that. And that in itself reverberates in my relationships with, with myself, with my children, with, with, my, with my husband, with my friends, um, with people at the grocery store. Um, there's this ripple effect that that has when we really fully come into ourselves. And it's not just this dead space of just no mind where we're sitting on a meditative cushion in a meditative, meditative pose clearing our space of all thoughts it's 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 about instead leaning into and really embracing who we are now i keep saying that over and over again and it perhaps it's in some ways it's difficult to really describe that but at the essence it's it's embracing all your quirks all your your failures all the things that people tend to say are no good about you and to allow that to really come into the light and the pieces that aren't really needed to be there anymore, they'll fall away. But what you're left with, with is just this force field of energy that you are. And so, and when you're able to walk in life from that place, um, really incredible things happen. You know, you start meeting the right people, you start connecting yourselves with, with, very synchronistic events start start to come your way. Even even a, even this call I see was a synchronistic event. You know, just you know, I you've been on my mind. I had to reach out to Roger and then look where this where this led, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the cool thing about this journey is that I don't really know what's going to happen next, but I do know there is an invitation to respond. And if I don't respond to that. Uh, I feel it. I feel it through my whole core in a moment when I say no. So when you invited me to do this, I felt like this was really important just for my own process. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel it's probably just as important for my process. And somewhere out there, it's going to be important for somebody else's process. And maybe a thousand people, maybe five thousand people, or maybe two, you know. Or, or maybe it's just for us. It could be. <laughs> And it doesn't yeah. matter mm -hmm. because I, I, I don't need to put a label on it or an expectation. I just, 
I just want to be with it and enjoy it. So what does your wild look like? If you could express it in any way, what does it look like? You know, it's funny because I, I really don't know what it looks like. Um, and I can't guarantee in any moment that I'm, I'm going to know what it looks like. It's almost like, it's almost like it's, it's subtler than that. It's, it's this force within myself and, and, and some symbolically uh, some of the images that I, I see flash through my mind when, when I feel myself allowing and embracing that there's certain images that will flash through my mind and, and the image of the goddess is one of them. You know, the image of the goddess in her just in immense regalness made of gold wings where she can fly and just this um, instinct just to soar as high as I can soar. It's this unshackled feeling within and there's this um there's this immensity to it because for the first time ever i don't know what i'm capable of and that in itself can also be an incredibly terrifying thought so what's needed here is also trust because in a in a conscious way to to be with that energy in a conscious way um there's um there's this knowing that it takes me to the places i need to go yeah and i think i think what happens is we can be so scared of that bigness that fullness that brightness within and whether it's love or just spaciousness what however it appears it, the moment we start to doubt that and shut it down because of fear that's when we shackle that energy. That energy has nowhere to go except in destructive ways. And that destructiveness, it leaks through ourselves, it leaks through our emotional body, it leaks through our mental patterns, and we tend to express ourselves in really, really poor dysfunctional ways when we try to shackle that. That's, that's really when we see the victimhood rise in people. Mm-hmm. So, so I think part of what's, what's called to us is to let go of having to know what it's going to appear as, what it's going to look like, uh, and just and just trust that as we go into that experience with our eyes wide open, in a conscious way, without trying to grab at power or trying to push away power, that this power, that this energy will unfold as it needs to. And the truth is, we're divine beings, and this part of the mind in no way has the ability to view or see what that is, like what mm-hmm. that divinity looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unfathomable. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. I see the ego kind of like as like an iris and it just, it can cinch down, it can contract down until there's only like just a pinpoint of light just flooding through and the whole iris you know the whole ego just 
it just contracts around the light. It, all based on this sense of control, um, fear, paranoia, um, in an attempt to try to control something, it just, it has no understanding of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love that analogy. My experience right now is like, where's Tara going to be in five years? I feel, I feel like people like you are on the edge of something, some new, some new consciousness that is making its way into the world, you know, kind of one by one. Mm. And mm -hmm. maybe not a new consciousness, but maybe for the first time ever that we're allowing it to flow. We're allowing ourselves to be, to have the courage to let go, to have the courage to trust in something beyond ourselves. Mm -hmm. And people might think, well, yeah, that's what religion's about. But that's not true. Because religion, you're, you're letting yourself go to something that is already described. You're letting yourself go to a belief system. And oh. this has no belief system. This is just yeah, you, letting go to source. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for some people, I think religion might be a starting point to this mm -hmm. process. Um, but to think for a moment that it's the end point is just, it's reducing your potential um, immensely. Mm -hmm that there's um, a depth to you that, you know, to each one of us, that's unfathomable, <laughs> that we just can't know by um, limiting ourselves to just um, organized religion. So, I mean, I, that might be a nice starting point for people, but, you know, what I encourage is to, is to take the scriptures and in in the philosophies that you're learning to take it into your own experience because that's where your real playground is going to happen that's where you really get to experiment with what you're learning is to not just know something at just an intellectual level but to really take that into your own experience it needs to be this needs to be something that that you discover in your own experience otherwise it's not a lived experience and then there's no transmission there there's no energetic component. It just becomes a dead thing that, you know, people just talk about. The words are only here to just, to, in an attempt to describe it. They don't convey anything in and of themselves. It's the energy behind it that's needed. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, we're out of time. Tell everybody where you live, how they can get a hold of you, if they want one of the most um, profound therapists in Canada <laughs> or oh, North geez. America. I don't know. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, again, my name is Tara Janet and well, right now I'm located in Courtney, BC, but I see people not only in person, but I also see people online uh, through Skype, Zoom, telephone counseling, 
Um, I do have a practice here in Courtney, BC, but I am planning to work uh, collaboratively with Gary Zhu, as you are too. Um, my hope is that we are going to, my husband and I, Trevor, Janet, and I are going to open up some kind of Paradoxica Institute uh, or Paradoxica facility out here in Courtney, Comox, um, to be able to have intense group work, intense meetings, and to do this work in community with others. And I think that's an important piece to this. So, you know, anybody who wants to get a hold of me, they can uh, by looking up Paradoxica, or they can also look at my own website, www.cedarwoodcounseling.ca. Beautiful. Thanks, yeah. Tara. Yeah, thanks so much, Roger. This is fun. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.